1: sky podcast we're your host i'm steven
2: and kyle
1: and today we're going into part two of kyle's crazy governmental alien conglomeration of wickedness to wickedness
2: i like that i like that intro so
1: if you haven't listened to last week's episode definitely go back and you're going to want to catch that because there's some weird alien shenanigans going on at the end of that one facts but before we dive back into it today got to get through all this business so check us out at all social media's facebook instagram youtube twitter reddit discord tiktok you name it we're everywhere cuz that's what we do if you search up Paul Sky podcast we will be there come and hang out be part of the community you know the deal you've listened to the show before i say the same shit at the beginning of every show so if you have a paranormal encounter you'd like us to feature on a future show kyle has all the details
2: yeah you're gonna want to give us a call and our phone number is 0837. you can leave a voicemail you can also text that phone um, you can write your story out. You can record yourself with your voice memo apps, your video recorders, and shoot that over to the email, which is going to be hollowskypodcast at gmail dot com. You can also reach out on socials and our website and leave stories or summaries of stories. You know, maybe possibly set up an interview or something like that in the future. Anyway, is fine with us.
1: It's all good
2: in the hood.
1: Just get at us, please. And now you're sitting there thinking, man, these two dudes sound dope. How can I help support the show? Well, lucky for you, I have a bunch of ways. First off, and most importantly, word of mouth. Share the show. Share your favorite episodes. Share it with all your weirdo friends. Anybody that listens to podcasts. Anybody that's into paranormal and conspiracies and cryptids and ghosts and shit like that. Just be like, yo, you should check these guys out. They're kind of funny. They talk about weird stuff. You probably like them. And then just pass it on. Just spread the word. It's the best thing you can do. But if there's other things you're looking into, we have a Patreon. You can check out the tiers there, see if anything wets your whistle. Get some extra content, some goodies, all that stuff. We have a Venmo. You can shoot us some pocket change to buy a delicious Monster Energy drink. And you can go to wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a wonderful rating and review. If they are five stars and I like them, I will shout them out. If they're constructive criticism, we will take it with a grain of salt and not shout you out. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> Today's five-star rating and review comes to us from our friend. Strange one. five stars. Love these guys. Always look forward to listening to this podcast. If you want some epic commentary and cryptid creature conversation, ooh, that was that was rough, cryptid creature conversation, then you found the best place for it. Also leave room for any other creepy you can think of. Well, strange one. Thank you for leaving us an awesome five-star rating and review. Appreciate you. Those are the ones we like. Weirdness from a fellow weirdo. Love it. So yeah, do that. Wherever you listen, just leave us some cool words, and I'll repeat the cool words on the show. That's how it works. Science. From there, we're going on to our paranormal experience of the day, brought to us by our friend Chad. It's titled, Alien Implant and So Much More It's Hard to Choose. Chad says, In the last few days, I've become aware of apocalyptic dreams being evidence of alien abduction. I've always wondered if whether or not I've been abducted because I woke up one summer day with a Cheeto-like object embedded in the flesh of my inner elbow, kind of close to my funny bone. Whatever it is has been there for 14 years. I've had strange paranormal dreams spanning from a giant apocalypse, alien invasion, global flooding, and planetary collision. I've also had a close encounter with a demon that I found while traversing an underground labyrinth. And I ran into an angel, biblically accurate I may add, which was terrifying and a shadow person. I'll explain the latter. The dream started out as a fantastic lucid dream. I was walking around the downtown area of my town with all these attractive girls from school when my father pulled up in a red van. I walked to the passenger door and asked him what he was doing, and he replied that he found two babies in a dumpster and he was bringing them to a hospital. So, I opened the door to check the poor babies out and helped situate one better on the seat because my father had no baby seats. They were filthy and covered in feces. So, I slid the van door closed with my hip and I walked to a local coffee shop to wash my hands. Upon entering the coffee shop, I immediately noticed that I'd stepped into a separate realm. The room or space I walked into was very bright. The walls seemed to be made of a gold vibrance. But that's not what frightened me. In the corner of a room came a siren like scream. I panned my awareness. Uh, I panned my awareness to it. It was a gigantic, biblically accurate angel, though humanoid. It certainly was like nothing else I'd ever seen depicted in any movie or book. It was impossibly huge and incredibly bright, with no discernible facial features, other than eyes on each of the individual feathers on its wings that blinked in unison. During this. During this thing's siren-like screams, it seemed as though my consciousness had deciphered its message, and I heard the words, you shouldn't be here, get out now. My immediately thought was why, and then I noticed this room's only hallway. The room beyond the hallway was a proverbial opposite of the room I was in. I saw shadows dart across the walls in this tunnel-like hallway, which then jumped off the wall when it hit the threshold of the room in the hallway becoming a three-dimensional entity as it quickly rushed at me and placed a hand on my shoulder. The hand felt like it was an 800-pound gorilla had jumped on my back. I was immediately drained of all my energy and I hit a knee. I looked up at this faceless shadow and it struck it as hard as I could with all of my strength. That's when I woke up in a pool of my own sweat.
2: Fuck that. That That thing is is intense.
1: That is, man. I'm just like...
2: I and it's weird even... that you randomly picked this email, too. Because it totally plays into my episode.
1: That is that is weird.
2: That is really weird.
1: I uh, That is... First off, Chad, thanks for taking the time to write in. Yeah. That is f- heavy. Because, like... I, I think about my shadowy person dream and how, like, intense it was. And it had nothing on this one. I'm exceptionally curious about the rest of your uh, encounters here. We would definitely like to hear from you some more. I'm curious about the, the demon in the labyrinth for sure.
2: Yeah, I'm, dude, I'm excited for people to hear this one and see if they can pick out anything with the dream itself cuz I don't know like it hit me some type of way when he talked about the angelic being being huge which I've heard before yeah and the fact that it screams at him and he deciphers a message
1: that is weird
2: and then it was almost like that angel was a gatekeeper of sorts or a guardian because at Ooh, the yeah. other, you know, at the other side of it, there's these shadow beings,
1: and I the like, angel is I like, like "You're take. not
2: supposed to be here. You need to go on and get." I like that take. So I don't know. It's very interesting. I am curious to see what people dissect from that because the, I feel like it. I feel like I don't have enough knowledge in that world to really come to some type of conclusion.
1: He also sent us a picture showing a protrusion in the inner uh, section of his elbow where it looks like there is something beneath his skin. I don't know. I'm not going to share it yet until I have his permission to share it. So, Chad, when you hear this, I'll probably shoot you an email if I don't hear back from you when this episode drops. But if you hear this, if you were okay with it, I will share the picture Of uh, your implant. I'm curious if you ever had it x-rayed. To see if they can. Like. Visibly. Show what's beneath your skin there. That would. That would be a. Cool thing to have back up. As evidence of your story here. But yeah. Definitely get at us with some of these other stories as well. Because this was heavy. It was. And I'm like I'm. I'm really drawn into this uh, demon encounter while traversing an underground labyrinth.
2: Yeah, we need to. We need to know about that.
1: Yeah, you're gonna have to do a follow up here, Chad. So, first off, thanks for thanks for this out. But we're gonna have to hear back from you. Yeah, that's that's a command, direct command from from upper the management. Sky. Yeah, from Hollow Skyper Management. We're gonna need a follow-up story. That being said, we're going back in on it. Let's go! We're going back in on it. For those that haven't listened, listen to last week's episode. For those that did listen, you know that the last account was
2: Interesting.
1: Uh yeah.
2: A little X-rated. A
1: thick Extraterrestrial Honey. Yeah. And some guy that was Forced to have an encounter with it.
2: Yep, that would be it.
1: Man, I love our hobby.
2: Yep, so from there...
1: (laughs) Kyle's ready. I, I am.
2: I'm ready to go. So if you all remember previous episode, it was a pretty interesting encounter. Well, it takes a little bit of a turn here, and I'll explain why. So you have this guy, Rich Reynolds. He's been a UFO guy for years. He is someone who takes as much evidence in UFO accounts to try and help analyze what's actually going on. Well, one day, this guy approaches him. The name given was Bosco Niedelklovik. I am not good at reading that. Um, But
1: note, the Bosco.
2: Never trust
1: a guy named Bosco. Right,
2: at this point, you should know better. This man was born in Yugoslavia and moved to the States, only to turn in... only in turn to end up working for the CIA. Well, as luck would have it, Rich was looking into the Antonio Cage case, which this Bosco had intimate knowledge of. Only Bosco has... A completely different account of what actually happens that night. Bosco told Rich that this entire event was planned and executed by a few of our friendly government agencies. You had the CIA, AID, and a few other agencies involved in this.
1: What's AID?
2: I don't remember. Let me look it up. I specifically looked that up in my research too, but I forgot.
1: I'll find it here in a second.
2: I forget what it is. Anyways, all of this was derived from the MK Ultra program. So it's more or less proof MK lived on. Or at least this is the story being spun to Mr. Reynolds.
1: Found it. Agency for International Development.
2: All right. So Bosco says when they were sent out, they were flying the helicopter in the dead of night and they seen a person on their onboard onboard thermal. He says this guy was literally in the wrong place at the wrong time at this point the team found what they set out to find i.e a human guinea pig the helicopter made a low pass and sprayed the area with a chemical derivative in gas form apparently the cia made a cocktail that could alter alter a person's perception and affect their ability to function it was noted by Bosco, that Antonio had a large array of drugs in his system. And at this point, in fact, the part with the female was acted out. Now it doesn't go into detail on the subject, but nevertheless, he says it was acted out. Apparently, the CIA used Asian female hookers in some of their operations. And if they did their duty, they would be given a nice sum of money and a home in the United States as a citizen. So basically what they're saying here is that in the past, during different ops, CIA entities would hire Asian prostitutes to do dirty work. And in turn, they would basically grant them U.S. citizen and a shitload of money. And what this guy's claiming is, you know, because Bosco, or not Bosco, but Antonio points out during that encounter, his eyes burned, you know, because he was hit with something and it made his eyes burn real bad, then he couldn't move, et cetera, et cetera. Well, this guy has a a, uh, a claim, you know, they sprayed the area with a gas, which oh, yeah. immobilized him.
1: And they, there's there's proof that they've they've done similar things. Like this before, like Operation Midnight Climax, where the CIA used prostitutes to slip mind-altering drugs yeah. to John's yeah. just to see what would happen. Like 100%. LSD and all kinds of shit. Yeah, so.
2: absolutely. Absolutely. You know, after afterwards, you can put together, they ended up dropping him off where they found him. Rich Reynolds said that there were plenty of 100% true cases of alien abduction. The CIA and governments didn't really know what was going on, but they knew that people had been having encounters with humanoid beings, not from this planet. So for whatever reason, the CIA started to abduct people to see what the witnesses and media response would be to the entire situation. Also, it's noted that the sexual experience with Antonio to help keep abductions a little more discreditable, most people would hear that and think this dude has completely lost his mind
1: that's that was gonna be the next question i ask like why would they tie this this weird alien twist to it but if they're just if it was a ops to see how people would react that makes sense
2: and also to know like when antonio first describes the ufo he says it has this uh what was that word like a like a wheel, like there was basically something spinning above like the craft. Ro- yeah, like a rotor. Yeah, exactly. Like it was a helicopter. Damn it. So it, and, it all, and it overall has this egg shape, which helicopters are fat in the front and they yeah. kind of narrow out.
1: Did did It said he had an array of drugs in his system. Was that before they sprayed the stuff or after?
2: I think that was after they okay. hit him.
1: Okay. And I, I love the they, well, I don't love it. I hate that they used the term that he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. So then we move forward to January 20th, 1959. Bernard Gary Irwin, a soldier driving to Fort Bliss, Texas. We notices a light in the sky. It was a very low. It was at very low level. And he was thinking that maybe it could have been a plane in trouble. So he stops the car and turns on his blinkers. He gets out and leaves a note inside the car in case any passerby stops to check out the abandoned car. The note said, Have gone to investigate what looks like a plane crash about one quarter mile to my right. Notify state police immediately. So he sets off to find the crash. Well, the next thing he remembers is waking up in a hospital bed in Cedar City, Utah. What the hell? Once he was up, he started to mutter, asking about survivors. He was still in the mindset that a plane had gone down at this point. The doctor finally told him he had been unconscious for a full day and night. A passing Fish and Game Commission warden found Bernard's car. Police were then notified and Bernard was finally found, unresponsive and about a quarter mile from the road. Eventually, the military came and picked Bernard up and took him back to Fort Bliss. They kept him under medical watch for another week and then released him at full health. But once back to work, he ends up passing out. And when he came to, he was unable to remember anyone's names or faces of the people helping him.
1: So he's in Texas and he sees the plane go down?
2: I believe. It may have said he's... He may have been in passing, but it makes it sound like he was in Texas. Yeah, And they
1: find his car in Utah? No,
2: they find him in Utah. Yeah, but not far... Somebody...
1: because it makes it sound like the fish and game person
2: found him, and then car. somebody transports him to Cedar City, Utah. After that game, the fish and game found him.
1: So they found him in Texas and transported him to Utah. I think, because it sounds like like it sounds like they are saying they found him in his car in fucking Utah.
2: A passing fish and game commission warden found Bernard's car.
1: Yeah. But they're not saying if it was a fishing game commissioner in Texas or if it was a fishing game commissioner in Utah.
2: Yeah, they might have just found his car, and for whatever reason, yeah, dude woke up. And, I, I don't, I don't know. know. I must have fucked that up.
1: It, yeah, I'm you, sure it, was, it, might, it might not have had the information in it. I'm just yeah, like, maybe I'm wondering did they transport his car and everything to fucking Utah?
2: I don't know. That's
1: they're going way out of their way now.
2: Yeah, I don't know. That's weird. But you know, like I said, um, he passes out while at work, can't remember anything. After this it said he went into an almost hypnotic like state and caught a bus a bus to Utah and headed out to where the incident had occurred. So I'm assuming he was going to Texas, uh, okay. he was in Utah. Okay.
1: That okay. That, that clears it, clears it up. up.
2: So still in this altered state of mind, he ends up walking to Cedar City. I suppose someone filed a Freedom of Information Act for this incident. Well this document was written by Captain Valentine who was Bernard's psychiatrist. He notes that when Bernard was injected with sodium amtal it did some pretty interesting stuff. So at this point the captain was vested and paying very close attention. He writes the following. Bernard stated that there was a special intelligence that he couldn't explain to me since it would be incomprehensible to me which has directed him not to remember or not to tell me about any of the events in Utah. He says that if he tells what was behind the incidents in Utah, there will be a big investigation that he does not want to be bothered with. And also because it will harm many people and he doesn't want that to happen. He states that all began at the age of three years, although he will not reveal how or what began stating that it would provide a clue to me as to what is behind all this. Also, he informed me that he could leave this hospital anytime if he wanted to by invoking a special force. Following this interview, the patient stated he could remember nothing of what he said during it. So at this point, I start to read ahead and see what catches my attention. I found some pretty interesting information. So I start reading on this one case, and it literally starts to bring things together, at least for me, in this kind of confusing time reading the book, more so in regards to the direction of the book itself. So there was an article written by Mysterious Universe on a man who had been abducted. Well, the granddaughter ends up reaching out to Nick and tells him who she is. They end up meeting up... So he can share as many details on her grandfather's case as he can. After her grandfather's experience, the FBI calls and said they were going to be handing over the case to another agency. A few days later, a couple guys in military uniform, claiming that they were United States Air Force intelligence, show up and start asking a lot of questions. Jennifer said these men had a lot of knowledge in abductions. They were very interested in missing in the in the missing time her grandfather had experienced it was said he was missing upwards of 8 hours they also started asking if he had any dreams like being taken aboard a ufo and subjected to medical experiments her grandfather stated he did in fact have a few weird dreams the first was him floating out of bed then being taken to a small round room that was brightly lit and smelled of burning metal also vague memories of three small beings taking him to a gurney. The other was a massive nuclear explosion that left Washington, D.C. destroyed. Her grandfather also notes that the UFO was solid but had the ability to become transparent, which sounds exactly like the blood soap case. It gets even more interesting. About a week later, her grandfather noticed he was being watched by someone else. The MIB decided to start paying very close attention to him. They were described as pale-skinned with large hypnotic eyes, the classic fedora hat, and black suit. They have the ability to control people's minds, even make them sick. Jennifer said her grandfather can recall three times they showed up. The first was when he noticed a tall, very thin man dressed in a black suit and trench trench coat. This man was following him down the streets. Another was at the TV repair shop that her grandfather owned. The man walked in and approached the counter, said nothing, but just gave an insane grin, then turned around and left. The last was when her grandfather was fishing on the nearby bank. Or, excuse me. The last was when her grandfather was fishing. One of the agents appeared on a nearby bank. He just appeared out of nowhere stared at him for a little while and then literally vanishes into thin air so it gets even stranger the book starts to dive into the classic appearance or the sudden appearance of these mysterious black helicopters that always seem to pop up they have no markings usually seen at night etc cetera, etc cetera. we've all heard about them in regards to UFOs and stuff like that classic well what happens over in the UK pretty heavy surrounding these UFO encounters whenever they whenever they get looked into the government ends up shutting it down immediately then it moves to the United States. there was a Judy Doherty she was seen or she was driving home. And what she experienced that night was utterly terrifying. They were driving, and she noticed a light following them. Well, finally, they figured out it wasn't a helicopter. So Judy ends up pulling over by a pasture and gets out to look at the craft. Well, at this point, the craft swoops down and flies over them, then shoots up into the air and disappears. Well, that's what Judy remembers. So years later, Judy gets hypnotized by Professor Leo Sprinkle. This is when they figure out it was far more than just a flyby. So she gets out of the car. You know, this is reliving the account. She gets out of the car notices a light. It hits the trunk of the car. I assume it passes over the car and it decides it's going to pick up a calf. She notes the light seemed to have substance to it. Anyway, she recalls how the cow was then systematically dissected and its body was dropped to the ground. She also recalls her daughter being abducted and examined. But this is even the weird part. The weird part is that this hypnosis took place in 1980. Well, there was a document written on her account in 1973. What? One month after Judy's incident occurred, the Air Force Intelligence at Kirtland Air Force Base in New Mexico wrote that document. It was noted that this wasn't her first abduction. It was her third. They were concerned that for some reason the catamutilations and abductions were connected. So wrap your fucking mind around that one. Like she didn't find out about that section of it until 1980. And they... But the government had... Documents on her and that 73. experience in '73. It's a seven-year difference. What the fuck? So, like I said, you like you follow the pattern of this book, and you kind of—it's almost like it starts. This book is more or less explaining, at least the way I take it, the evolution of the government's involvement in conjunction with UFOs, like the things that they're learning about, the things that they're, they're reaching out to do because all of a sudden these black helicopters pop up. And then I believe here in a little bit, we get into it, but like the government somehow has the ability to monitor any, anyone and everyone Contactee, abductee, doesn't matter. They watch everybody. That's weird. They watch everybody.
1: It almost makes you wonder if the entirety of the alien abduction phenomenon isn't completely governmentally based.
2: It could be, but I still believe in aliens.
1: Yeah, I'm just... It does beg
2: the question, though.
1: Because but, they said it's her third abduction. You're right. So almost as if I mean I don't I don't know.
2: But there could be a way that they monitor it because we're not privy to what radars can actually do. No, no. You no. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like we, we, or like you, you're, just what you suggested earlier in the last episode about the 1947 Roswell case about the two UFOs and how the military used a hypersonic missile to shoot one down, right? Yeah. Well, just, what, two months ago, China came forth saying they have developed the world's first hypersonic Hypersonic missile. Yeah. So that kind of in itself could prove the possibility, and everybody is always under that assumption anyways, that the military has technology at least 50 years more advanced than what we could even dream of. So, you know.
1: I'm just trying to wrap my head around. Like, that is so... Oh, yeah. She did, they had files on her, and she didn't even know she was fucking abducted.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And they said that the cattle mutilations...
2: They were worried that the cattle mutilations... And her abductions were connected. And the abdu- abductions were connected. And I don't know if that was just her, or if that's like an in-general statement.
1: That's so weird. That is so weird. Right. How did how did she find out that they had a... Uh, File on her. Well, monitor.
2: like I said, it had to have been through some type of FOIA act. Yeah. It had to have been. That's the only way. You, that's the only way. Somebody would have had to have, maybe you know somebody would have had to heard her story and then said, Oh fuck it, I'm just gonna throw yeah. one out there. Yeah.
1: And oh, I'd love to read that file to see if they to see if
2: I'm sure you could find it.
1: If her daughter his abduction was legit as well because she said she remembered her daughter being taken up and examined. And I was looking up when you said that he was a er, uh, injected with sodium ametol. I'm like, what in the fuck is sodium amatol But it is a sedative used for short term treatment of insomnia. It's also used in what they call narcosynthesis. Which uh, you can basically use it as like, almost like a hy- hypnotherapy where they put you under and they can recall dreams oh, and okay. r- relevant topics for later discussion and therapy.
2: Which could also... It could also be used in the in the countermeasure of
1: putting thoughts. Putting
2: thoughts says, in someone's yeah. head too.
1: It says he uses a technique of free association as well as dream and transference material during the session as a basis for uncovering relevant topics for later therapeutic discussions.
2: Yeah, which is why regressions in general called a sodium ametal interview.
1: Shit on. Yeah, called a sodium ametall interview or necrosynthesis. Narco, not necro. Necro's death. <laughs> Narcos in <thesis. laughs> just, just gonna kill that some bitch and then then do therapy. Anyway, yeah, I'm still trying to wrap my brain around like.
2: Oh, well, dude, these stories get weirder.
1: Because
0: at Parker, our purpose is simple: we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
1: Think of the, the disinformation campaign it would have to be if everything, say, say aliens are real, 100%, but nothing we know about them is legit it's oh, all just a case. governmental disinformation campaign to just like make us so afraid of them you know because they're chopping up animals they're taking people and doing all these experiments on them but when in turn it's just the government which we know
2: does all this shit anyway that's true <laughs> that's true you know or, or it could just be that that the aliens really are taking these people they're really doing things to them it's just the government has figured out a Not advanced way <laughs> no well an advanced way of of monitoring this
1: yeah and, i'm definitely interested in that and more aspect.
2: or less um, are curious as to why they're doing this like they and then the government comes in behind them sims another abduction to figure out why they were abducted in the first place
1: or yeah, or to, or to like like they said with the with the uh asian prostitute thing to make it to to discredit it
2: could be yeah yeah absolutely but with that we'll move on to the next one and this this is involving calvin parker and charles hickson they were out fishing, which seems to be a huge mistake in the UFO abduction world. Please
1: tell me they shine their flashlights at the UFO.
2: Anyways, they were out fishing when they noticed a <laughs> blue light, thinking nothing of it at first, until it got super close. Then they could see the shape of an egg-shaped craft. They were hit with a deep droning sound that made them want to puke. The craft's door opened and three humanoid creatures appeared. They were referred to by their lobster-shaped hands. They had antennas oh, poking that's out. creepy. And their faces as well. Oh, they had antennas poking out of their faces. So these guys were in a panic but couldn't move. Parker actually ended up hyperventilating so bad that he kneeled over in a faint. The aliens grabbed them up and took them aboard to do experiments on them. They laid them on a table and and a large eye-like device hovered over them, seeming to inspect them head to toe. As if that wasn't strange, it gets a little weirder. The two men went to the police after the event. The men were called to then go to Kessler Air Force Base in Bioxie on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. They were taken there by the local police officer, Deputy Tom Huntley who makes a statement afterwards about the transport. We were in an unmarked car, but the guards at the base were expecting us and waved us through the moment I said who I was. After passing through the gate, the officer noticed two cars full of air police pulling behind him. Also, he noticed that the entire route was basically routed by air police on every intersection. So the way my mind works is that imagine driving through an intersection and two of the paths are blocked by air police. Like only giving you one path to go. Yeah. Right.
1: That's a no-stop shop.
2: Exactly. (laughs) Once they were directed to go to a specific building, they were then greeted with a team of medical personnel after inside the building the men were subjected to a series of medical inspections. The medical team were in full hazmat gear. They dressed in all white, masked, and gloved. Both men even had a Geiger counter ran over them. After the medical portion was done, they were escorted to another building. This building had armed men everywhere. Once again, they laid out a route for the men to follow, They then hit a conference room, and it was worth noting that the entire base command was there. Colonels, majors, all of them. Another curious note, Hickson found himself victim to endless phone calls. So in this book, it's at least a possibility to consider. With this case, they put in question if it was actually an alien abduction. Not and not far from where these men had their encounter is an island known as Horn Island. Back in World War II, this was home to top secret research in chemical and biological warfare. Less than a decade later, the U.S. Army Chemical Corps used the island for research into hypnosis, mind control, and psychedelics. It's said that the experiments at Horn Island were stopped in the 1960s and the abduction was in 1973 but if you talk to the locals in the area they will tell you a different story of the island and the experiments the locals say the army was secretly testing BZ on them BZ is known as Buzz it's a powerful mind mixer I'll try to say this and we know we all know I'll fail oh wow yeah I'm not even gonna fucking try Clyde. Clint
1: benzolate. I'm saying that's spot on. Cool. I got one right. Okay. In, in, in a weird and totally unrelated, but a weird synchronicity that you brought this up <laughs> and I just happened to watch it. I was watching the latest season, The Ghost Adventures. Shout out Zach Baggins, take us on a demon hunt. Let's go! But he was using that that weird camera which shows the entities that are yeah oh yeah you, gotcha gotcha dots. gotcha yeah yeah yeah. And one of the entities they picked up had lobster hand, like lobster like hands instead of fingers.
2: That's so, weird.
1: You're probably you're probably alien adventures now.
2: Hell yeah. Um. Anyway, but back to that, that crazy ass drug. Uh, symptoms are graphic hallucinations, states of unreality, cognitive dysfunction sets in, then incapacitation. So it it would be, I'm I'm kind of mixed on that because unless they did this, I don't know because. They treated him like they treated the you know these guys who were fishing like something fucked up happened to him because they ran Geiger counters over them had full medical yeah. team blah blah yeah. blah blah blah, but they're also suggesting at least Nick is suggesting in this book that it's possible because of the close proximity of this chemical research facility that maybe these men were drugged because it kind of does fit because the one dude. Basically ends up fainting, which could be incapacitation, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, seeing the lobster men—that's definitely hallucination. Hallucination, possibly. yeah. So
1: and and running the Geiger counter and shit could all just be some sort of like it could have been a play. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah it could have you been know, absolutely to make, them, to make them think that they experienced something fucked up.
2: Yeah, and it's but. But to what end like i I would not even begin to see the end goal in that situation no. like Me to make either. those two men go to a military base and run them through all
1: these fucking unless unless it's like to see if it got out in the media and how the media would react I was
2: just getting ready to say that like maybe because... if, if this thing maybe they would rather people in that community go it's the fucking aliens taking us when all reality it's the government running experiments on everybody yeah and they were. These two guys were more or less the Trojan horse. Yeah. They're like, these guys are going to weed the story into that, the locals.
1: That's exactly where my head went when with like the, the whole sexual turn of that encounter from the last episode. I'm like, why? And then they're like, to see how people would react. And yeah. also just sprinkle that little bit of no credibility to the story. Right. Yeah. So that, I don't know,
2: man. It's weird, dude. Um, I
1: hate it. I hate it that there's that possibility that they could just be, just be fucking with everybody.
2: Yeah, i I think, I think they run in conjunction. Personally, I think extraterrestrials are real. I think they do have a hand in abductions, and, and it's almost like the government comes in
1: right after it to try to like yeah. to try to either spin their own narrative or start discrediting yeah. or start making everybody's uh experiences questionable. Right. And,
2: um sucks yeah yeah there's a lot of uh avenues there moving forward from here though you have the start of catamutilations, mutilations and states start to ask for help from the fbi who basically refuses to help at all they finally get called in after three states are calling them out they come in and take statements then more or less bury the files while all these mutilations are going on All the locals in the areas are noticing the infamous black helicopters. It got to the point where they started to arm themselves just in case. Not long after this, military bases started getting buzzed and harassed by UFOs. Even more interesting, they started to notice mysterious black helicopters in the area. Which is worth noting that you have a military base who... More or less sees a UFO out in the distance and then they witness black helicopters showing up and they have no fucking clue who's in the black helicopters. What? So the whoever's in the black helicopters is not there or they could be military related, but they are not keeping any what peons, you know, in, in the loop. There was a report filed. Defense against helicopter assault. It states for two nights, an unidentified helicopter has been hovering over the weapon storage area. Attempts to ID the aircraft have been met with no results. Then you have another report that talks about the same thing. But in this case, they were looking at the aircraft. They noticed a flashing white light with red navigation lights on inside the craft. Then either the pilot turned off the lights and dropped out of sight not to be seen again. The base searched the area and found nothing. So you have more than one account found where no one can actually ID these mysterious black helicopters. The military nor the typical intelligence community could figure it out.
1: At what point does the military just start dropping them?
2: I don't know. You know That's like, what I would say. I'd be like, how, let me shoot it. How yeah, how let close shoot do it.
1: they have to be and keep like... Oh, that is uh, that is so... I'm trying to, like, put the pieces together to make something, like, cognitive in my brain about how first there's UFOs, <laughs> and then there's helicopters, but then there was helicopters after, like, what in the fuck?
2: Yep. The reports, it, you know, go on and on with this unknown agency borderline harassing people with their helicopters and tapping their phones... A ufologist, Tommy Bland, had a military contact that said all across the United States they have underground installations in very isolated areas that have squadrons of unmarked black helicopters with sophisticated instrumentation on board.
1: Not to take anything away, that the cattle mutilations got so bad, so bad that the states called on the government for help.
2: Yeah, and the government goes,
1: nah, we're good. We don't see an issue here.
2: Yeah. And I, I and like I said, they even the just to appease them, the, the FBI and who knows who else came out, investigated them, took the questions, and then buried it. They're like, We want nothing to do with this shit.
1: Because we're creating a race of robotic alien grays to I fucking hope so. Full further push Project Bluebeam. I hope so. <clears throat> How, like like it's so far-fetched when I say it out loud, but when you think it's about not. it, when you think about it and you put the pieces together that there were there was that there were so many cattle mutilations in multiple states that they're they're reaching out and they're like, we need to figure something out. Yeah. You can churn out a lot of biological uh, tissue from uh mass amounts of cattle being chopped up.
2: Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And I do know. not to
1: mention the people that go disappearing. Not to mention, there there is probably no uh, governmental records of of homeless people that go missing. Right. There's probably nobody keeping track of that. Right.
2: Shit. Yeah. Exactly. It's weird, man. Um. 1994, a Greg Bishop conducts an interview with an uh, abductee, Dr. Carla Turner. It was done at the home of West Nations, a friend of Bishop. It was noted that Bishop woke up many times that night before at 111, 222 twenty two, three
1: thirty three, four forty four. That's
2: weird. Which rings for me because in the note, Egress asks about repeating numbers.
1: Oh shit, it does.
2: Yes, it does. Um, we've also heard many times point you know, Different people pointing this fact out. However, according to Turner, this is very common when it comes to alien abductees. So as they start to dive through the story of alien abduction, they start to notice things. Like after they did a session, they noticed people in khaki outfits roaming around nation's property. Shortly after this, a fire broke out. During all of this, they started to notice that their mail would disappear or to have been tampered with. So they started to try and take extra steps to ensure that it wouldn't happen anymore. Also, they noticed that Bishop's phone was being monitored. He would get more than 10 mysterious phone calls a day. No one ever spoke at all. All he would hear was a clicking and humming when he would answer them, which sounds all too familiar.
1: sounds like the (laughs) South Carolina... (laughs) Phone calls we keep getting to right. the
2: To the day. We still get them. One day, Bishop looked out his living room window and noticed a man directly across the street in a car. Once the man in the car noticed Bishop had spotted him, the man got out, raised a camera, and started taking pictures of him. While all this is going on, a man inserted himself into Bishop's life, a Mike Younger. One of the first things he said to Bishop was, I've read your file which, of course, would grab anyone's attention. Another statement made by Younger was that someone sitting outside Bishop's house or in another building could see what was on his computer screen by scanning the signal of the CRT, cathode ray tube. Younger and Bishop would meet in cafes and restaurants. Younger would show Bishop all types of files on UFO and say how he was working to disclose this to the public. Younger apparently worked with U.S. Naval Intelligence and out of Area 51. Younger then goes dark and was never seen again. Bishop later found out that Younger had died of a quote-unquote heart attack at the age of 30. Later on, Bishop and Jim Keith link up. They would both have the same issues, computer problems. One day, Jim's computer was smoked with a virus that wiped out all of his personal files. The next day, Bishop was hit with that same virus. So Bishop emails Keith. There are a few possibilities. I was hacked through my modem. I was given a virus that only affects my article folder and no other Word files, or someone broke into my house and deleted those files. Keith writes back. Thanks for the statement, Greg. So far, I've turned up nine political conspiracy sites that were hacked in the same time period. That would be the last Bishop ever hears from Keith. Keith was dead. So what happened to Keith? Well, he was headed out to a Burning Man festival. A day before the event was on... A day before the event, he was on stage and accidentally fell off, hurting his leg really bad. So it begins to hurt horribly, and he ends up going to the hospital. They tell him he's fractured his tibia and that he needed to be prepped for surgery, which, of course, needs him to be put under. Before said surgery, he calls a buddy, George Pickard, and tells him, Hey, man, one of the attendants at this hospital has the same name as someone I debated on the matter of black helicopters a few months earlier. As surgery got closer, he got more nervous. He tells his nephew, Chris Davis, Don't do it. I have a feeling that if they put me under, I'm not coming back. I know if I get put under, I'm going to die. Which... Is exactly what happens. Damn it. It said a blood clot, clot took his life. Hmm. hmm. So, pretty weird circumstances with that story, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, it's pretty sus. There's some
2: pretty weird ones. It's um, pretty sus. I hope this is the one I was telling you about earlier. Because I think it might be one of the last stories here. But it starts with a man named Charlie and he got a hold of nick redfern about his abduction experience so charlie was at home yeah this is it so charlie was at home hanging out on the couch it was late when he had an urge to look out the window when he did he noticed a police car sitting there so he he goes outside to ask if things are all right as he approaches the car the officers are staring at him with this insane smile now, as he approaches the car, things start to blur, and the car turns into its true form, an egg-shaped object the size of a truck. So Charlie tries to run, but no dice. The next thing you remember is standing in a field. The two men were standing there dressed in all black. I mean, with that description there, you know who it is. <laughs> the old man in black. They grabbed him up and took him aboard the craft and dressed him dressed him in what could be described as surgeon scrubs. Charlie couldn't move at this point. He was shackled to the bed and his ankles and wrists. Even worse was when he saw the three little figures enter the room with the huge black eyes. One of the beings touched Charlie and his mind was flooded with an image of Earth coming to its bitter end. The planet was in ruins, billions dead, clouds blocked the sun. Mushroom clouds had been everywhere. The image was done, but the night wasn't over yet. As the image faded from his mind, he felt a cold metal instrument up his nose. Charlie heard a popping sound in his head, which led to another vision. It was Earth again, but thousands of years past the nuclear Armageddon. The Earth was rep- Repairing itself, nature had reclaimed Earth's surface and not one person in sight, although there were animals everywhere. Once again, he comes back to the room. The device was now out of his head. The three being still there, however, the next thing he knows, he's back in the front yard with the squad car again. The same officer still in it with that same insane smile, only to silently pull off and disappear into the dark. So a month later... Charlie is in the same scenario, at at home. Parents out of town, so it's nighttime again. The phone rings. He ignores it. Rings again, and again, and again. It happens four more times, and he finally answers it and says, Who the fuck is this? The line goes dead. Then Charlie gets dizzy, lays back down on the couch, but not before checking for the squad car outside. Thankfully, this time it wasn't there. But Charlie wakes up later to a man dressed in all black. He tells him not to make a sound, but Charlie tries to fight him off and two other guys pop out of the shadows to make sure it's over before it even starts. Then another man comes from the kitchen and injects Charlie with something that makes him pass out. Charlie wakes up in, a black, in, the, in the back of a van. Charlie was injected again with something that instantly calmed him down. Then the interrogation begins. How long have you been interested in UFO subject? which answers I had no interest in them until my terrible encounter January fifth, January 2nd, 2015. Have you ever had any dreams about extraterrestrials and UFOs? No, he says. Was he vegetarian? No. Charlie was not, but he admitted to having urges to stop eating meat, which had begun just weeks before.
1: What a weird question.
2: Right? At this point, they tell him they know about his little run-in with the ETs. As Charlie breaks the story down to the guys, they pay more attention to a few things. The fact that the officers turn into MIB style people and the Armageddon scenario. They begin to ask if Charlie knew which cities were hit. Which of course he replies, hey man, nobody makes it out alive in this dream. The entire world smoked. Then Charlie fucks up. He tells the men about the metal object being shoved up his nose. The men go silent and one leans forward and says... Listen to me and listen very carefully. The man begins to explain that we have in our midst a dangerous race of extraterrestrials who are routinely implanting devices into large numbers numbers of the American population devices that control and manipulate people as they see fit very controversially. They even told Charlie that some mass shootings were the work of implanted individuals, were enslaved by aliens he said the number of implanted was growing by the day and we the human race are losing the battle at a shockingly fast pace but they ended up scanning him and to everyone's surprise he came back clean no implant was detected but it's also noted that the devices can be pushed up the nose to make people see things The man also says that these implants are being taken as serious as rogue nations seeking to gain or create nuclear weapons. Then the book goes into the possibility of implants. You know, how we as a race have not only suggested it, but are currently working on it. DARPA has tried releasing one years back that you would swallow daily. David Icke warned about this in the nineties. This book was written in 2020 while we witnessed the world change in these few years, they pushed for things similar to implants, passports, all this shit, like people being voluntarily signing up for these types of things. The, the book then hammers on something that even we have noticed, the apocalyptic dreams. Nick states that in 2017, this took off and came to its peak, but people still message him with these dreams of all out destruction of America and even the world. It's one thing apparently that the government is very interested in. It also makes you wonder if people are tapping into something that lays out the future possibilities is something putting these images in everyone's mind in hopes that it aids us in course correcting because it wouldn't make sense for something to to know our future and to show us almost like it's rubbing it in our faces of what's to come it would make far more sense that something is showing us in hopes that enough people see it and we change the way we operate, which I would agree. And I'm sure you would too, that the world itself needs a massive rework.
1: I'm, I'm curious as to why when that, in that last case, when the men in black hears that he has that implant up his nose why he made it specifically American? You know, he said know. there's there's a almost like a plague going on in America where
2: I don't know, like it, it definitely implicates that it could be other governments coming in. But we've also heard, in all fairness, we've also heard um different types of extraterrestrials being more prominent in different locations on the planet.
1: Oh, yeah, that is true. That is true.
2: So, I mean, this last case totally sounds like aliens to me, but there could definitely be more at play, you know? I first read it as an alien abduction, and then these government entities swoop in to try to figure out what the fuck was going on, especially... Because they grill him so hard about the apocalyptic dreams, by about his encounter. <laughs> and I find it curious, because remember when we had a large uptick in people emailing us with apocalyptic dreams we all of a still, sudden? We still get them. Yeah. yeah. And it makes you wonder, it really makes you wonder as to why. Like, why, why is the government so interested in apocalyptic dreams? I, I wonder
1: what the correlation is between people who have had... Uh, abduction experiences and the people having the apocalyptic dreams are.
2: And the only, thing, the only thing I can think of is like whenever you hear, I know there's been cases, I'm not going to be able to reference them, but whenever somebody's aboard a craft or in contact with ETs and the ETs are able to put images and shit in your mind, Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like maybe, Like I said, maybe they are more or less showing us what to come if we keep being stupid. Yeah, could be. Which would would fit in this over which I don't fully believe, but this overall image of ETs wanting to come down and go, "Hey, you know, you guys need to quit doing what you're doing. You need yeah. peace on earth." And yada yada yada.
1: Yeah, if you if you don't do this, then this will happen.
2: Right. So it kind of makes sense, you know, that there would be
1: That is kind of a common trope with uh some of them abductions. Yeah,
2: it is weird. Hmm. It's definitely weird. I don't know. I just... It turned out to be a pretty good read. It's, Are you vegetarian? Kind of yeah, I'm not sure what that was what about. What the fuck? Not sure what that's about. But, I don't know. It was pretty cool. And it then, like...
1: make you wonder, like, the cattle mutilations, whether it's... I don't know.
2: Man, like, the my overall consensus for me personally is that... Because I think... I'm pretty sure I remember reading in there, and I must not have wrote it down, but... It seemed like people who were either contactees or abductees, the government had the ability to monitor that. because they it was almost like they they would they would start files on them. They would visit them. They would, in some cases, they would fucking reabduct them. Because I know somewhere. I've heard stories of that. Of. Of people being abducted by aliens and then being reabducted by, by the government. Yeah.
1: Because and, that's that's like when I was looking into Max Spears, he said what we think is what what's deemed as normal alien abduction, what we think is alien abduction, is not alien abduction. It's governmental abduction. He says there are there is alien abduction, but everything that's been put out to the public what well, we think of alien abduction as governmental abduction.
2: It very well could be because... It makes you wonder if then, they're working
1: in cahoots.
2: Yeah, well, and then you re-reference old girl who knew nothing about her shit already, and, and found out about it uh,
1: seven years after it actually yeah, happened. Already had a file on it. They
2: already had a file on it.
1: Could you imagine if she didn't get, like, if, say, she didn't go under hypnosis and fi- figure all that shit out, if somebody just plopped that, fly, that file down in front of her one day, how much of an absolute mind-shattering... Chunk of bullshit. I That'd think
2: logically, a... the only thing a person would do is go, you're insane.
1: Yeah, just deny it. Yeah,
2: this is, this is, you're an idiot.
1: But your brain would slowly start making the connections. Like, oh, yeah. Man, I did see that UFO yeah. that day. Yeah. Huh. Huh, what a weird coincidence.
2: Like, it is, it is super weird. I mean, it would make sense to me that, like, if At they did monitor point... you, and you were abducted, and they came in and re you, like... It would make sense that they're trying to figure out why they chose you, what they did to you, the whole night. Never,
1: at this point, I would rather it just be aliens, because yeah. I don't want the government doing dumb shit. I don't
2: I'm want to get abducted shit. either way.
1: Well, yes, true, but we all at the
2: and I, I'm gonna throw this fucking stick in the fire here, but we also don't know for a fact. That every abduction case is negative, alien wise. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know if they are. Are they malevolent? Are they, you know, just chill? Are they? Do they? Are they impartial? Do they not give a fuck either way? You know, because you you hear stories of some of them being so hyper intelligent, emotions not even a thing. Yeah, like that's just a waste of brain space. <laughs>
1: fucking fat,
2: <laughs> right like <laughs> i mean it, this is how some of them act
1: that is that is the most enlightening thing i've heard <laughs> 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 emotions are just a waste of brain space
2: well i get i get something right every once in a while <laughs>
1: i hit the nail on the head there, right you know <laughs> i you,
2: we we don't know the truth one way or the other we don't know i uh, to my knowledge i haven't met an extraterrestrial. However, I am probably an extraterrestrial. That's what we've been told.
1: So We are children of the stars.
2: And I'm okay with that. That's yeah, fine.
1: And we... It's whatever.
2: You know, I I got the Star Brother card. I uh, We're Soul Brother. We're meant to do this for re- forever. I mean, I could literally make up a conspiracy in my mind right now. I'm not going to. Does that
1: mean we're never gonna... We're just gonna be looking for answers forever?
2: No, fuck that.
1: (sighs) That sounds exhausting.
2: I think whenever we formed this, we re-entered the game, and then we instantly started getting monitored again because we've been doing this forever already. I know. We can't even figure... out why we started getting all the the mysterious logins and all the fucking weird calls.
1: Mysteriously just tell me who Egress was so I can... Just mark that off the bucket list,
2: yeah. It'd be at least we'd have one case solved,
1: yeah. We have already and solved then, all the other ones, but
2: then then it would drive us even more nuts because then we wouldn't have anything else to dig into constantly. Oh, I'm
1: going after them
2: after egress, yeah. I mean, I'm okay with that. I know I wouldn't be that worried about it yet. No, it's whatever,
1: <laughs> anyway. Wrapping it up because I have to go to work tomorrow, like a lame sick supposed to be my day off but instead I'm working the opposite shift because who needs a sleep pattern
2: not me there's
1: money to be made anyway check us out at our social medias Facebook Instagram YouTube Twitter TikTok, discord Reddit you know the deal come and hang out with us till we meet next week stay safe stay weird Zach Baggins if you're listening we want to go on a demon hunt and government if you're listening stop